Welcome to Speaking of Strong Style, where we discuss the news, issues, and events surrounding New Japan Pro Wrestling. I'm Stephen Conway. With me, as always, Jeremy Finestone. We are contributors to the Fight Game Media Network. It has been one of the busier weeks we have had in a while, and we had so many matches to watch, both in the United States and over in Japan. And unfortunately, injuries made their way into the forefront. We've got a lot to talk about on this show. We're going to be talking about those injuries. We're going to be talking about the results of resurgence, how that's going to affect things moving forward. And of course, we're going to cover the best of the Super Juniors. We have had the A Block Finals. The B Block Finals will take place very early tomorrow morning. So lots going on. We're going to get to it in uh, just a bit. Uh, uh, Jeremy, first of all, there's a lot on the line here. (laughs) Hi, hi. I barely even know where to start, but I think we have to start with the bad news this week, which is... A lot of bad news. A lot of bad news. Taiji Ishimori. That one's pretty scary. Mark Davis, less scary, but has a big impact on the Dominion card and things going forward. Mm -hmm. And then Mercedes Monet, also, Mm -hmm. these are injuries that really do mean a lot. And I guess we'll start with Mercedes, of course. And you missed one more. I did miss one. Well, go ahead. Will Ospreay. Yeah, still kind of banged up. So, and we have Colin and Brad are watching live. Thank oh, you for hi, everybody who tuned in to, to sit with us today. We appreciate it. We're glad to see you. Uh, obviously, a lot's gone on since we last talked here. So, ha. Huh. The curse we'll of Ospre- Forbidden Door is rearing its head again. Yeah, man. Oh, yeah, you're not kidding. That did happen last year, didn't it, where everybody mm-hmm. got hurt? But Mercedes Monet has suffered some sort of an injury. I don't know if we have the details we've heard ankle we've heard foot uh i also heard knee but i don't think it's knee uh, i so. i am i am willing to take a hamburger on a broken ankle yeah it's that's what it seemed like didn't it so uh let's get into this now she was uh by all accounts we believe and of course they're not going to speak on this publicly we believe that she was about to win the uh strong women's championship uh and so uh, facing willow nightingale which is what we assumed was going to be the final match and uh, and it was they, they, they Willow defeated. There, there was a lot of evidence to suggest that Willow was not supposed to win that match, including an ad hoc uh, speech at the very end. That kudos to her; she wasn't ready to give a speech, but she gave a damn good speech, and that crowd got into it at the very end. She she handled things very very well, Absolutely. and so did Mercedes actually, considering the, these circumstances. So let's talk about that they're up on the top rope uh looks like some sort of superplex spot or something going on where they're both going to fall off the top rope mercedes was on the outside looking into the ring uh slips loses balance whatever happened went all the way down to the floor and then really couldn't put any weight on that right leg the rest of the match and they went in and did a mostly improvised finish that got willow nightingale over which tells you everything you need to know mercedes knew that whatever mm-hmm. happened was serious and that she wasn't going to put some ice on it and be ready to wrestle the next show. So the mistakes unfor- made in that match at the finish with the false finish were primarily due to the referee having a last second hitch and doing it because, oh my God, it is the IWGP strong women's title match inaugural crowning. There are a lot of plans in play here. I don't mm-hmm. blame this man for in the moment catching himself, but that's what happened. Is he just he wasn't quite sure if this was the right play and this is how they wanted to go forward and then Mercedes called it in the ring said this is how it needs to go and uh, lo and behold Will Nightingale my first prediction of the <laughs> IWGP Strong Women's Champion but uh, Mercedes I think the summer's over for her 
Yeah, it looks like it probably is. And I think Brad here has it right. Mercedes changing the fence and she knew something was wrong, putting Willow over, throws all the haters, conspiracy theories of her only thinking about herself out the window. Absolutely right. This is a very professional thing to do. She absolutely could have just gone with a, a submission type of thing and they could have faked their way through it. And then, but she knew she would just have to vacate the thing. And it was, it was a smart and professional play by her to go ahead and put Willow over and improvise something in the ring. And then, like you said, Willow handled it very well, uh, considering she wasn't expecting to walk out with that belt. 100%. And, uh, and came up with something today. So, uh, on, I mean, it came up with something at the end of that show, to both to say and then uh, to, to play it like she meant to win it. So uh, I, I thought both women did a hell of a good job. Whatever it is, and like I said, we don't know yet, and, and it's possible they don't know the extent of everything yet, although I imagine she's seen a doctor or two by now. Uh, but we hope that Mercedes is back full health mm -hmm. very quickly. In the meantime, Willow Nightingale, who has, despite some booking uh, where she hasn't, she went through stretches where sure. she didn't win very often. Uh, that's it's changed up a little bit, but uh, Willow Nightingale pretty damn over. So if you're, we, we should talk about that later on in the resurgent review. But there were a couple other injuries too that we should. Probably... Yes, and, and and we're gonna get to all that. It just, but uh, again, just uh, this is there's some real possibilities here. Willow, oh this, yeah, you know there's some interesting things going on. So we had that, um, and we also had news that uh, Mark Davis, one half of Aussie Open, the IWGP World Tag Team Champions, and the strong. Uh, tag team champions has a uh, torn meniscus and had to undergo surgery to repair it. Now, new Japan has their rule uh, that they have held fast with, which is if you are unable to make a announced title defense that you are stripped of the title, they do this even with travel issues. We saw it with John Moxley with the typhoons in Japan. One time he couldn't get there to defend the U S title. It was taken from him. And that was just because he was going to miss one date, not because of injury. He was just, you know, but Davis is out for a little while. The only good news, if there is good news, is that it is uh, a scope. They could do it with a scope, arthroscopic surgery, which really reduces the uh, recovery time. And modern medicine on that has improved and improved. So he's not going to be out for too long, but he's going to be out for Dominion. And that means that the three-way title match we were uh, going to have between Aussie Open, Challengers Bishamon, and House of Torture, Evil and Yujiro Takahashi is now going to be a a match between Bishamon and House of Torture only with the winners crowned the new IWGP Tag Team Champions. To me, uh, Jeremy, this feels like just a bump in the road. I think whoever wins this match are only going to hold on long enough for Aussie Open to come back, challenge, and take them back. That's just my initial thought on that. I, I don't think those belts were going anywhere anyway, and I think they're they probably going to put them back on Mark and Kyle as soon as they can. I, uh, I had dreams, my friend. I had yeah. dreams of Aussie Open Tag Team 2023. And I believe that that will still be the case. Could still that happen. Still be the Testify, my friend, Aussie Open Tag Team 2023. However, the real tragedy is I believed that all the tea leaves were heading towards FTR and Aussie Open at Forbidden Door 2. And it does not seem like that is going to happen now. And uh, there were a handful of matches I had in, in my mind down the line that we're really going to cement this team as uh, something for the future. And uh, it, like you said, it's a bump in the road. The timing, the timing was just shit, frankly. 
Like, just absolute shit. This one, this one gets me way more than Mercedes Monet because Monet was already established and they were on their ascent and the momentum just stopping. Sometimes it's hard to get that momentum going again. And I don't think that's going to be the case, but I didn't want to be in the scenario where it was a possibility. So, go, sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I feel really strongly that Ghetto agrees with your assessment of Aussie Open, that this yeah. is a tag team that is the, the future of that division. So uh, as long as Davis is able to come back healthy and strong, I feel like they're going to be back on top of their perch mm -hmm. as soon as they're able to. So, but, you know, I don't have inside information. Just the way I feel like the way Ghetto has been bushing, booking these guys. And I think they were going to win that match, personally. What, what, if, what if we just put all the belts back on them at all, at all in? Yeah, I mean, whenever he's able to come back, they're Get they're a great team. It's, but like you said, man, that the curse of the all <laughs> curse of the forbidden door. Everybody gets hurt going up to it, and uh, we our 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 viewers are feeling the same way. Uh, Brad mentioned the whole uh, for the love of all things holy, don't put the belts on House of Torture. Colin saying House of Torture involved. I hate that idea. Yeah, no one wants to see House of Torture. I, hmm. Knowing that Davis and Fletcher aren't going to be out very long makes me very nervous that House of Torture is going to get these things just so they can put them back on it later. Just but for think, the victorious I, ass beating at the very end, I think we might have to stomach it for a little while, perhaps. I, I, they've I, gone with Fisherman a couple not of times. A lot of events going on between now and then, but I think. No. Given the campaign that Bishamon had as World Tag League champion, it can make more sense to spotlight them going into Forbidden Door 2 than otherwise, even though the, the heat trolling would be pretty immense for, uh, for House of Torture. House of Torture! Heat trolling! House of Heat trolling! <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so here we go. So what, what else now? Uh, the scariest one to me, actually, considering what the injury mm -hmm. was. Broken ankles, nasty. No one wants to have to have their knee scoped. A cervical vertebra injury on Taiji Ishimori at that Korokan Hall show in his match with Hiromu Takahashi, which is very sad for a bunch of everyone. They were having a hell of a good match. They were having a great but match. Hiromu, Taiji Ishimori's, Ishimori's been wonderful in this tournament. Everyone's been wonderful in this tournament, right? Uh, that isn't name show. And he's booked that way. That's not show's fault. He's a talented guy. He's being booked to be a schmuck. Uh, the point I'm trying to make here is, though, a, any cervical injury is pretty damn scary and the fact that it happened there I, I saw it happen with the poison rana i didn't like the way he landed and the way he immediately grabbed his shoulder i thought it was a shoulder because the way where mm -hmm. he grabbed here and i guess i was kind of hoping it was the shoulder but it turns out he was grabbing the neck here more than he was grabbing the shoulder no information on how long he's going to be again that's another one that might take a while to figure out uh, I, I, I was happy to see there was a lot of mobility despite the match being ended, which is a good sign. And they mm -hmm. did not seem to exacerbate it more. So I'm taking all of that away as positives, even though anytime you have a cervical or spinal injury uh, in the ring, you, you need to be very concerned going forward. Yeah. And and it was, yeah, I mean, the, the doctor got right in there and it, it does make you a little bit nervous that he continued on for a little while, but I'm sure he was, he probably felt that something was wrong, but wasn't sure how much because he, he ended up doing what? A couple of lariats. There was a power bomb in there that, I, that I'm sure he wishes he had not gone up for. And then, uh, you know, then finally he just stayed down and be like, okay, this is not good at all. And uh, I don't know whether he went numb or we don't know. We don't have any right. information. But, uh, and there's a good point here. Brad mentions here that Hiromo looked pretty shook when the match was called. He did, didn't he? And it's one of those things that if anyone knows neck injuries, it's Hiromu Takahashi. He broke his against Dragon oh, Lee in that match. I remember and... being there for that. Oh. 
Yeah, and yeah, you were in the building. And then, Love. you know, just to watch that, and you know he had to be having a little bit of a flashback right there. But yeah, you could see the character of Hiromu Takahashi kind of drain away, and you saw the, you know, the man that knows Taiji Ishimori personally and not just in front of the cameras and things, just like, oh, crap, is he okay? And you could really see that there. There was real concern. And um, all we can do is just hope that it's not as, as it's not serious and, you know, it's something he can recover from uh, fairly quickly. But he's one of the most talented guys in the business. And whether, you know what? Even one of the most the least, underrated guys in the business. Even if he were the least talented guy in the business, I hope he recovers as fast as humanly possible because nobody wants to see a, a guy have a neck injury like that. I don't think it affected the booking. I think Hiroma was going to win that match. So I don't yes. think it threw anything off for what we were going to see. But uh, it, even uh, even the TJP, it was almost a, it was almost a lame duck match going into the, the, the next one. Yeah. Might have set up a, a, a match in the future, but not nothing nothing consequential. Yeah. But best wish of Taiji Ishimori. We may not see him for a while. Yeah. And then you were mentioning uh, the other big one, uh, Will Ospreay, who defeated Hiroshi Tanahashi Resurgence. And I promise we are going to run down Resurgence here in a little bit in more detail. But there were a lot of injuries. <laughs> there were a lot of injuries. And, and it's it's in it's in all of wrestling, too. It's We're in one of those weird periods, and it, there's no rhyme or reason to it. Just sometimes you get a rash of injuries. And WWE has seen some serious ones, and there have been a lot. But uh, Will Ospreay, Jeremy, tell us what you know about that. And it looks like his shoulder wasn't quite as back and ready to go was uh, everyone, including Will, was hoping. I'm pretty sure he was always going to be operating in a little bit of pain. And even if he wasn't 100%, he was good enough to go and cleared to wrestle doesn't mean 100% healthy. And uh, by the time that match was over, he was pulling on his shoulder and his arm something fierce, just trying to get it to feel right. And sometimes when you have like that little bone socket and it just doesn't feel right, you are just trying to get it better. You may not uh, lose any loss of like range of motion, strength. You may, but the inability to like seamlessly move your arm the way that you are normally is a big hindrance in, in this. And when he got out of that ring, boy, he, he looked like he was hurting and, uh, that was one of those, I hope you're okay, don't make it worse. Like, yeah. it's not worth it. We're all we're all okay if you can't deliver on, on a date. Um, Kenny was out for 18 months, and he came back, and he, he's doing fine. Will, you, you'll be okay either way. But uh, definitely concerning. Look how long Kenta's career was derailed by shoulder problems, too. And, and, and all of these are different circumstances, and all of them are different injuries. But it, it is nerve-wracking to see. And the issue with Will is he's on the verge of one of the biggest matches of his life with this story. So, you know, they had that incredible match with Kenny Omega at Wrestle Kingdom, building to the rematch. It's so crucial to his career and then and for what he wants to do and his how he wants to present the Will Ospreay character in professional wrestling and get, and, and after that, the way that Kenny Omega match was worked, which was specifically to hold back some things, tell an incredible story. One of the best stories we've seen, but all of it to lead to another match mm -hmm. that hasn't happened yet. And to have it derailed by a shoulder injury, you know, that he's going to, if you pardon the pun, will his way into this thing because he knows it's either going to be a forbidden door, which would be a monster match. Could even could possibly we don't know maybe be a Wembley which would be even bigger. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's you know Will wants this so bad that I mm -hmm. hope it doesn't get in the way of of good sense because shoulder. But he wants it bad, but but G one is coming too, 
And mm-hmm. I yeah. think if we're reading the room here, uh, he's going to have a really important role in the G1. And uh, I hate to say it, but that takes priority over all the other matches. Let's take a look at some of the comments here because we have some good ones. Brad mentions we were talking about in the Discord during the show. Will looked like he took off a lot of bulk since the injury, and it might be best for him in the long run. You know, that's it. He, he did get a lot more muscular there when he moved up to heavyweight, and uh, perhaps that will lessen a little bit of the burden on the joints. Flaming Shark with us. Good to see Shark back. We haven't seen him in a couple weeks oh. in the comment section. And it looks like Will's pushing himself for the second Omega match. Yeah. I just hope he knows his body well enough not to over push himself. Well said. I so, yeah. genuinely love that the reaction of us and our viewers is the concern for Will's health rather than the demand that he deliver on a match than when we want to see it. Yeah. That is, that's important to me. I've always felt that we have very smart uh, viewers. It's always been uh, one of my favorite things about doing this show is the interaction here. And I, we're guys. seeing, yeah. So uh, let's talk about this. We're going to, of course, put this up. I got to do some house cleaning here uh, as a podcast and audio only. The audio version of this will go up as a podcast. Wherever you get your podcast, make sure to uh, subscribe, rate, uh, leave a comment, that type of thing. Five stars are always helpful. Uh, and, uh, you know, all that stuff. Uh, it's absolutely true. It helps with the algorithm, helps people find the show. And we're grateful for anyone who watches here on YouTube or listens on the podcast, uh, whatever podcast platform you use. We're very, very grateful that you guys are uh, with us. So, And yeah. I will I will quickly do the, the read for the Patreon. We have a Patreon, $5 a month. Within that, you get shows like the Five Star Joshi, the Boom, the Dynamite Show, the Mike and JD Show, the Fight Gabe Flagship Show. These are all shows hosted by smart and capable people. The Boom, James McDaniel and Kevin Ely cover AEW, as well as the Dynamite Show, which is a uh, deconstruction of AEW Dynamite on Wednesday nights by Paul Fontaine and Jeff Hawkins. The Mike and JD Show cover all the major news in wrestling at the end of the week with Mike Gilbert and JD Oliva. We have Power Bomb Shows. Mel Gray and Sam Shipman on Sunday morning covering all the news that you can cover in indie wrestling, New Japan, Impact, AEW. And they will also be your go-to for pre-pre-shows on Sundays. Let's see if I've forgotten anybody. Of course, the five-star Joshi show, Scott Edwards. He is a frequent guest, as well as Stephen Conway, a frequent guest of his on that show covering all things Joshi, sometimes New Japan, sometimes domestic stateside women's wrestling. He is a man of many talents. You should check him out. How could I forget the rap? The rap with Keela Cash and Scott Young. We are frequent members of their guest hosting. They cover WWE weekly on Sundays, drop on Mondays, and I believe we've covered everything. Stephen Conway, let's move on. We'll do it. So resurgence. Now, uh, this was a hell of a show, wasn't it, Jeremy? I mean, really, I mean, considering there were some injuries right there. And I, I want to mention this flaming shark. He said it was great. A friend, of, a friend of his went to their first wrestling show and one of their friends seemed to become a fan uh, from the show. So that's great. It's news. a really cool venue, the Walter Reed pyramid, even yeah. though you can't get in apparently <laughs> until 20 minutes before bell time, they only have oh, one entrance and the whole, like the whole thing wraps around the pyramid uh, like the line wraps around and they didn't huh. open the doors until four, but the first match was at 420. So when you're watching the pre-show, there's well, nobody yeah. there. There's nobody there. Huh. Well, that, that is odd. What, what is that? Do you know what that building's used for when it's not wrestling? It's I mean, uh, like, what's Long the normal... Beach. It's Cal State Long Beach. Uh, Cal State Long Cal, Beach is right. Uh, basketball court. 
Oh, okay. Okay. And they do that with, well, I guess that's, I guess it's not a huge, but they only have the one uh, using the one entrance. Huh? Very odd. Yeah, it's uh, not ideal. Okay, so uh, let's go over the uh, women's tournament because that ended up being the main event. That was the, the, the finals of that tournament was supposed to be the, the finals here. So that we're going to go backwards, if you don't mind, Jeremy, if that's not all right. Not a problem. I'm gonna figure let's this do out. the uh, strong women's title tournament. How was this match going between Mercedes and Willow before the injury happened? Now, Willow had defeated Momokogo, as we expected. Monet defeated Stephanie Vacare. We're going to get to those semifinals after we talk about the finals. Uh Willow, it was very well said by Dave Meltzer on Wrestling Observer Radio. He said Willow's job here was to have a good match and lose. Put Mercedes over. Uh, she ends up getting the victory due to the circumstances. Was Willow doing her job before the injury happened? Was was she do was this a good match? Okay. So what happened here is Willow and Mercedes both got in the ring and the crowd took over. They <laughs> cheered the shit out of both of them for almost five minutes. They wanted this match. They knew this match was happening based off of the cards. They were blown away by Momokogo and uh, Stephanie back here. Don't get me wrong. Those two made a name for themselves tonight, but that's not what we're talking oh, about good. right here. Uh, when we get to when we got to this match, the energy for this main event was palpable. And when they started locking up, it felt that way. The momentum was shifting. I felt like the audience knew how this was going, but they wanted to will will willow into a star in this night so we got through this match and this is uh disney princess mercedes monet and you got uh <laughs> willow going through they will beat her as hard like <laughs> she with with the point of this match being that Mercedes was going to win this. She was doing everything in her power to put these women over that she was in these matches with. So it was making Willow look like a powerhouse. So not only did Willow look like a powerhouse, she also won, which was, as we said, not the plan. <laughs> but, uh, and we got to a point after this, before this, where uh, Sasha got on the top rope to perform attempt a code red, but she could not get her footing. And she jumped to the floor to regain when she jumped to the floor she did not she was not able to get back up on her own two feet and that's what we know so when she got back into the ring she was able to put get on her feet for one uh one leg take the powerbomb finish which was willow i think it was finish normally uh and then the the ref you know hitched then they went for it again. He did not hitch that time. And even though the audience booed the finish, they did not boo Willow. They were just very confused and concerned and knew that they had seen something that wasn't necessarily according to plan. There was a lot in there that when you're watching it, you had to unpack. You watch Willow smiling, celebrating, but obviously like trying to figure out what she needs to do next. She doesn't want to leave the ring, but she kind of wants to leave the ring, but you know that she can't. It was it was confusing, but what she was able to do was recover, compose herself, and then have a speech afterwards that basically cemented her into some type of new potential star. And so I've got a question for you. Okay going to lead into probably one of the most obnoxious graphics I've ever made to so prepare yourself for this. Okay. Holy Lord. What? Oh my goodness. Thank you, Canva. I appreciate all your ability. What is that? 
Will Tony Khan <laughs> book Willow as a top star this summer? <laughs> Look at that thing. I can't take my eyes off that. For the oh, folks on man. YouTube, or for the folks uh, on YouTube, you can see it. For the folks on the podcast, we have what? Let's see. We have is that we the, have the Walter Reed pyramid. We have the, the Walter pyramid. Reed here more. That is no, the pyramid. We have the, the the shadow of Tony Khan looking over the referee raising Willow's hand. Mercedes looking is over the horizon of oh, his my star goodness. and that all that he sees. Crazy. We have the so all right, but no, well, he should, and I'm hoping that he realizes he's been handed something very important here. Willow is over anyway. He's been and, gifted something. Yeah, he's absolutely been gifted a champion in the making. The only question is because it wasn't him that did it. Is he going to? Is he going to hesitate with moving forward with the star because he didn't make her, even though he should have? For the last six to nine months, uh, which is basically a criticism I have of him uh, and the way he's been booking is he has been playing fast and loose with house money with people he should be making stars way earlier. And the audience spoke tonight when she was in that ring before everything went to shit, before everything went to shit, they made it clear that they loved Willow Nightingale and her being in the ring with Mercedes Monet was a big deal. So do you do you run with that? Do you go forward with that? Or do you say, oh, slow your roll. We're not going to go full bore with this because, you know, it wasn't really the plan. And we got a lot of plans in place. Well, what I don't you do. I don't tear up all my plans for my women's division and just suddenly base it around Willow Nightingale. No, I mean, you, you do have a plan. You do have something you want to go into. But I think he would be crazy not to make the fact that this woman just defeated one of the top female stars and most famous female stars on planet earth and just kind of downplay that. I think you play that up and like, you know, Willow, you can't beat her now on TV too much because she has at a championship all. belt. Yeah. You can't so, beat her at all. Yeah. And, and well, I mean, you can, like in tag matches or whatever, you know, like, but they should, they should do that judiciously as well. So I mean, go with it. I mean, just say, all right, here's, she's just defeated Mercedes Monet and, you know, she can go on a run in AEW there and be successful. And you can even have a challenge for her at a challenger forbidden door. One of the heels at AEW uh, to, to challenge her there and put that match on it. And uh, if you wanted to, uh, I think they would be crazy not to. I just think that this is a way to make her uh, a bigger deal than she uh, already was. And, and she's already a big deal. The crowd loves her. She has a very natural charisma that comes through. It seems very genuine. And the crowd connects to that in a way that you don't get very often. And I so she's their uh, new I, Kylie Ray. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that could, that could work out. So I, I hope I they do. I hope he, I, I think Tony's Mega smart enough to baby face. Mega I think smiling baby face happy. I, I, I hope so. There are promoters in this world that we know of that will spite this entire scenario and bury the star. Vince McMahon, uh, because it wasn't their idea and and not their plan. Mm. Yes. Yeah, that was a flaming shark. Is that will Tony pull a Vince? Basically, is the question. No, I don't think. I think he's going to understand that this is a, yeah. this is something you're going to have. Uh, you know, you, you get handed something like this, go with it. It doesn't. Ha I don't think Tony feels like it always has to be his idea. Although I think he likes it when it is. Uh, but who doesn't, right? Uh, yeah. So uh, let's see. Now let's talk about how they got there. Willow defeated Momo Kogo. And I thought Momo did well in this. I, I think she's uh, pretty. I think Momo's pretty good. What's What's interesting is 
she's one of the least protected members of her faction and but she's in there with Mayui Watani and she's with stars and it's you know Mayui Watani you got uh Hazuki uh even uh you know that she's there I mean all of the stars that I'm trying to think is there's been some movement around there but uh uh Kaguma is in there with stars. So Momo sometimes is the one that has to eat the ball in the six person tag match or something like that. But one of my favorite things that they have done, I'm really happy about this. When they have brought women from stars over, they have brought different people. We're not seeing the same faces all the time. We've seen Azumi, we've seen Husky, we've seen Starlight, we've seen Natsupoi and Tam Nakano, of course. It's been a but real revolving door. It has. And what it's doing is it's introducing these women uh, a bunch of them. It's not just a couple. You know, they're starting to see that. Uh, and when they keep doing well, it just builds more credibility for stardom because you just think, well, this is a new stardom wrestler coming in. Well, the other six have been pretty damn good. Why not this one? And I thought it was a good performance for her. I think it could help her. Uh, and you know, the what helps is that Momo speaks a little bit of English, so that definitely is an is an is help as well. She was supposed to do English commentary on the last pay per view there, but. Uh, got hurt and that's when mariah may stepped in did a great job so uh yeah happy for momo i think it was another uh face to introduce and if they bring her back i think the crowd will realize that she's worth taking seriously she so was, she was a tiny wrestler and she was yes. wrestling the david and goliath match yeah with uh with it's the Willow. same match riho does a match similar oh, cool. to that was, in I, aew I, all the time i wanted to say it i just i wasn't sure if just like just rapidly just comparing it to riho for frame reference but yes it was if you've seen Rio versus Nyla Rose, it was essentially the same match. So that one, I saw that one live here in, uh, well, it was in Cedar Park, Texas, not technically Austin. Then. So, uh, yeah, uh, but yeah, and then uh, Mercedes Monet defeated Stephanie Vaquero. How'd you think Stephanie did? She looked great, man. She looked, holy moly, she has a look already. And <laughs> sometimes when you don't know a wrestler, they come out with a look, and then there's nothing in the ring to back it up. That is not the case of what happened here. Stephanie Vacare was ready, polished, fantastic. Uh, she is someone that has been put on the radar of American wrestling fans. Uh, there was a niche group of people that probably knew exactly who she was. I was not one of them. And she, she has a bright future. As the Flaming Shark says, Stephanie in particular was impressive, but it's for later. This was, this was a break the wall down level of entrance into nice. uh, American wrestling. It was tremendous. If you look at these pictures, Mercedes, I don't know if she was selling or what, but she was particularly impressed with that match afterwards. That was, she was like, oh, that was, that was something. Sometimes and, uh, you just feel it, don't you? You're just like, oh, there's chemistry here. I like this. We yes. can do this every night. So, yeah. And uh, Brad also felt Momo did amazing. The audience got behind her big time. And if she ended up beating Willow, the fans would have actually been okay. The entire it, so. tournament completely yeah. over-delivered. They had four women who, and we've talked about this in the past. When you do the, for the, we did it for the IWGP women's title. The, the chase for the title and how they carry the title in the inaugural run make that belt. And so... They really do have to keep uh, keep Willow incredibly strong because that belt is going back to Mercedes at some point. And yeah, yeah. I would particularly like the idea if somebody took the belt off of Willow 
with Dasterly Meek before she got to Mercedes so that Mercedes doesn't get the chance to beat her. Okay. Well, let's see some other comments here. Flaming Shark, Mercedes just randomly popping up like Jericho used to and attacking someone while hopefully TK and NJPW take advantage of this opportunity. Yeah. Uh, you know, you could do that. I, I really think that they're going to put that strong title on her. Yeah. I mean, you've got an obvious thing going here. Again, you talk about things being handed to you. Something was just handed to Tony Khan. Well, something was just handed to New Japan, which is when Mercedes comes back. It's not going to be something like, you know, you injured my ankle, but rather something like, there's a mental block. I have to conquer this mountain. Now, last time I faced you, I was out for a couple of months. So now I've got to come out and I've got to beat you. Like I have to conquer this uh, thing, this mountain that's been put in front of me. Bad and, news uh, scenario. Bad news. Mercedes is out for a while. Won't be main eventing any shows. Good news. She'll be back and she'll be main eventing those shows when she does. Yeah. So, I mean, I think they're probably going to go with that. And uh, let's see. Um, yeah. Oh, Brad, as mentioned, I'm interested to see if Rossi, uh, he's talking about Rossi Ogawa, who's the owner, uh, well, not owner anymore. Bushi was the owner, uh, but uh, the uh, booker of uh, stardom. Uh, how If he saw how great Momo got over and if he starts taking her more seriously, I'll be interested to see that too. I'd be interested to see that too. Uh, I don't think she was sent there by accident. So I feel like there may be a uh, a plan for her uh, coming up soon. I'd like to see that. She's ta she's talented. So, uh, yeah. Uh, well, let's get to the rest of this resurgence card. My goodness, we're 33 minutes in. We yeah, talk about best we got we to power through these. Let's do this. Okay. Now, uh, so we had uh, Virus and... Uh, oh, pardon me. Uh, we had uh, opening matches. DKC defeated Bateman. We were going back front, weren't we? Oh, gosh. Yeah, I, I had already for Osprey. Let's do Osprey. Let's do Osprey. Will Osprey defeated Hiroshi Tanahashi, as we figured, 16 minutes, 44 seconds. That sets up uh, Osprey to face Lance Archer, hopefully, at Dominion uh, for the number one contender spot with the winner to get a shot at IWGP US champion Kenny Omega. So Osprey versus Tanahashi. I mean, you know, there's even when these guys are injured, there's not a whole lot that can go wrong because these are two of the more intelligent workers in the business. How did you feel that this one went? So there was a lot of energy with this one, too. In the beginning, Osprey and Tanahashi both got on the ring ropes, and Osprey did a drum drum set while Tanahashi did the air guitar, and then they proceeded to have a great match. Tanahashi, good knee night. We yes. were feeling really good about it. Uh, Thank God for cortisone. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> they, hit all, they hit all the moves. Uh, Will decimated him with a... a uh, shining the, the the hidden blade from the oh, second blade, rope yeah. mm -hmm. uh from off like off the ring rope which might have been what hurt him if you really think about it uh but it was pretty much an academic match they didn't want to do too much because you know mercedes was in the main event but you're still getting you were still getting tanahashi and osprey and like we talked about earlier he didn't come out of this match 100 percent. he didn't go into the match 100 percent. And we just kind of cross our fingers that he's going to be able to, to move forward with it. So Colin says, uh, Lance is actually being used a shocker. Yeah. I think he probably forgot. People forgot his number. I'm not sure. He's like, yeah, I haven't changed my phone guys. AEW, new Japan, anybody. It's like, I'm still right here. He's a Texan guy. So I, he's a Texas guy. So I do like him. Uh, but my uh, yeah, match I, of the night. There it is right there. We had John Moxley, Shota Umino, and Wheeler Yuta defeating the chaos team of Kazuchika Okada, Tomohiro Ishii, and the Rocky Romero in uh, 19 minutes, 37 seconds. So they went fairly long for something that's not a semi main or a main event. But when you got that kind of uh, talent in the ring, why not? To me, uh, Jeremy, this sets up a match at Dominion with the 
never open weight six man tag team champions. I feel like Rocky's going to be moved out. Tanahashi, since he's not in the mm-hmm. tournament anymore, can be moved in. Now you have the obvious storyline of, hey, we're going for the belts now. Uh, do you feel like it's going to be uh, Yuta? But uh, well, before we get to all that, uh, tell us about this match. You said it's your favorite. This was a mean guy match. Every one of these guys did not like each other, except for Rocky, where it's just kind of like, what did I get myself into? Kind of thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like, got, when, he, it's he like when your friends get into a bar brawl and think, well, He's I should like, probably oh, hit somebody, shit. but I don't know why. <laughs> I guess I'm getting a fight. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, he, he, I had a discussion with Brad in there where I thought Wheeler Yuta might potentially take the loss going into Dominion since the Dominion match is already set and they might need to strengthen that side as part of the storyline, but Brad called it. Rocky Romero's there to eat the pin, and yeah, probably, yeah, was... probably exactly what it should have been. Uh, this was set all set. This was all set up. And while we are looking, we are looking at Dominion. I feel like this is setting up a lot more okay. down the line. So you yeah, see yeah. the the sassiness between she and Yuta. Perfect little asshole, Wheeler Yuta, in this, in this match. He uh, didn't do nearly as much as the other two guys, but celebrated like he won a championship when this thing was over. Running around the ring with his arms in the air, celebrating. He's then you got that, this. He's another one that, and just real quickly on Wheeler Yuta, he's another one that this heel turn from Blackpool Combat Club has brought out a nice side of him. Yes. Brought out some personality. It's been healthy for him. Anyway, <laughs> and yes, and here we go. The picture on the screen, John Moxley doing the double flip off to Kazuchika Okada. Well, Okada does the Rainmaker pose. I mean, what kind of iconography would you possibly want more than this? So really interesting. This was not the angle that we saw it from the TV. When oh, yeah? we were watching the TV, it was the traditional Rainmaker pose with John Moxley walking up with his traditional John Moxley huff and getting up in his face and giving him the flip off. <laughs> they then have the sequence, and this is pretty much the only sequence that they have in the entire match, where they uh, they throw each other in the rope, and I think Okada gives him a drop kick and gives him the uh, the spinning Rainmaker. Moxley sells it like The Rock took Stone Cold Stunner. <laughs> Went up and down, out of the ring, took the flop, and... I always hated the way Rock sold the stunner. I always thought it looked stupid. And I will tell you, I know we are getting to Dominion. I know that we are getting to a six-man match for the Never Open Weight titles. Sure. But you know what else I think we're getting to? I need you to prepare yourself for this, Steven. All right, here we go. Holy Christ. Look at that thing. Oh, my God. We got another graphic here that uh, apparently we've hit some sort of nebula or a vortex in space. It's the forbidden door, my friend. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's the eye of the forbidden door. Why is the forbidden door in some sort of weird dimension? I, so that the Moxley and Okada are apparently flying through space, through the forbidden door, into an alternative universe where they get to wrestle 2023, man. Portals here, are Mr. all the rage. Portals are all the rage. <laughs> goodness. My goodness. We're going to have to get you a tranquilizer when you use these things. I just, I just love to get the eyes on it, buddy. I just love to get the eyes. So <laughs> I have been beating this drum for a while, and I think we're getting closer and closer to it. I am willing to stake two hamburgers that John Moxley and Kazuchika Okada will be a co-main event of Forbidden Door 2. I'm not going to complain about that match if it happens. 
So if we have Will Ospreay, Kenny Omega, and Moxley and Okada at the main event of Forbidden Door, Forbidden Door 2, you can have my money. doesn't matter what the rest of the card is. I can be curious to see that, especially with the current Moxley iteration. You know, we saw we saw kind of a babyface version of Moxley when he was in the G1. I don't remember offhand, off the top of my head, I have to look it up, if he ever wrestled Okada there, or if they were in the same block and they didn't wrestle each other. Ah, been a while. Either way, this is a different John Moxley mm-hmm. working style than we got last time out. Uh, he's always been kind of a brawler, but this more vicious Blackpool Combat Club version of it, I think, would be a nice contrast to the... Uh, arrogance of uh the arrogance of greatness that okada presents a nice clash and uh two uh, very smart workers that can put something interesting together did you see the promo after uh after the hickman match resurgence that john moxley cut let's hear about it he had a promo where he talked about the 60 minute time limit matches that okada had and he said that was cool and whatever but he thought he thought he could beat Okada in 11 minutes. That's oddly specific. He he looked at it, and he, he thought about the way that Okada worked, and he said, people call him one of the greatest of all time, but, you know, he's pretty good. Okada's pretty good, but he's he, he weaknesses in his game, and, you know, he asked Wheeler, and he asked Shota what they thought, and they kind of agreed with him that he could beat him, and then he's like, no, actually... I could beat Kazuchika Okada in eight minutes. All right. Well, so this is the build. It is happening. These two do not like each other. We got mean guy Okada. He has been coming around since February. Since the Kaido Kiyomiya match, we got mean guy Okada. And we got mean guy Moxley. And these mean guys are going to fight each other, and I am here for it. You can have Omega versus Osprey. I want to see this match more, I think. All right, up next, we've got to get moving on this. So we have Kenta uh, regained the strong openweight title, defeating Hikuleo. And uh, but before the match, we got a, a video saying that Eddie Kingston wants next. So that was a bit of a surprise for me anyway, saying that Eddie was once next there. Hikuleo, I think that the title win in the first place was a bit of a... Uh, bouquet of flowers sent to the fans because they knew what they were about to do to Tomatonga and beat him <laughs> to death with uh, David Finlay. So they were at least going to give uh, Jado and that group uh, a little bit of love by having Hikaleo upset Kenta in their uh, title match, figuring maybe you just could switch it back here. So uh, while Hikaleo did fine in that match, I feel like you mentioned it too. Kenta as the gatekeeper is a good role for him. And of the two matches, I think I would rather see Eddie Kingston and Kenta than Eddie yeah. Kingston and Hikaleo at this stage of Hikaleo's career. That might not be the case in four years or wherever as Hikaleo continues to develop, because I do think he has potential. But I think I'd rather see Eddie and Kenta. That could be very interesting. Yeah, I, I think that's going to be something that a lot of people are going to be hanging their hats on this summer. A lot of people want to see Eddie back and healthy. This will go one spot shot in this match they led all the way up to the rafters and they set up a table earlier next to the rafters they fought uh they fought up there as you can see uh that was pretty high up i'd say like 15 feet kenta flipped him over onto the table in the back crawled to the ring one by count out i don't know how i feel about this match I just kind of want to move on. Well, I think Brad might have hit it right on the head as far as the the 
misapplication of a spot here. I thought it was weird to do a match with a big table bump not long after a garbage match. Meaning that might have been it. Match, that was much much better. Yeah, it's 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 hard to wow the crowd after they just saw. You know, it was like he he was pulled pushed up and over, and it felt like slow motion watching Hickaway fall onto this table. It was it was a pretty amazing visual. I I have to admit, but. It was a one spot to the match that had anything to do with anything. Well, it followed up a street fight between Juice Robinson and Fred Rosser. And this one went 23 minutes and 10 seconds, which is a long time to watch a street fight. However, it did have a twist and a turn where Juice Robinson's uh, better half, uh, that being Tony Storm, uh, interfered as well and got involved with uh, a very bloody Juice and uh, Fred there. And they've been teasing her involvement all the way through. I think Fred's been cutting some promos on Tony as well as on Juice here, trying to get under Juice's skin. Uh, ended up backfiring. Uh, Juice ended up uh, defeating Fred Rosser. Again, doesn't quite feel like we might be 100% done with this feud yet, uh, the, you know. but uh, who knows? But uh, Juice Robinson wins a street fight. I told you back in February and in April that Fred Rosser was the heel in this, in this feud the way that he was going after Tony and the audience agreed with me when he planted a kiss on Tony storm against her will. And both Ian Riccoboni like buried him for it. The audience buried him for it. And we had the best Fred Rosser match that I've seen in a long time. And it kind of got overshadowed by a really stupid uh, old Southern wrestling uh, trope that they probably shouldn't have gone with. Any but, chance that it's a beginning of a heel turn for him? Or I hope just a so. I or was it a miscalculation? So. I, was, I, I think it was a miscalculation. I think he needs to go heel with the uh, the direction he's been going. Uh, it was a fantastic match. And it was among as good a street fight that Juke had with Ren Narita back hmm. in October. And, and this one, Juke has phenomenal street fights in New Japan even though he's he split it in his wheels over at AEW. Yeah, like, but yeah. they finally got this match going. They made a veiled mention of no more delays, no more like interruptions as to why this match can't happen on a certain show when Rosser cut his promo. So definitely some hints of Bullet Club Gold and Bullet Club Black uh, teases in between. The uh, also props, by the way, to Tony Storm for remembering to to uh, wear a white T-shirt when she's going to get her husband's blood all over it. That's pretty smart stuff, right there. You got to do that. Wait a minute. What if Fred Rocker joined Bullet Club? Oh, stop it! Uh, I don't. I don't know. How many do they need? There's already thirty people. I don't know. It, you could have Bullet Club versus Bullet Club at Forbidden Door. Oh, jeez. Uh, uh, now we're we're turning <laughs> we're turning them into the NWO. We're gonna have bring back Vincent. <laughs> Uh, let's see. So what else here? We had a earlier match, a tag team match, Virus and Barbaro Cabernario, a CMLL team defeating the mighty don't kneel. That being Zack Sabre Jr. And bad dude Tito. That one went about 15 minutes. Don't have a ton of time to talk about that one, but, uh, bad dude uh, and Cabernario beat each other's ass. And when, (laughs) uh, Virus and Cabernario won, I was shocked. Uh, it is worth going out of your way to see, but it was an opening match and, uh, 15 minutes went pretty long. Uh, Tell you, Barbaro Carbonario is really good. I mean, Absolutely. I know that the the Fred Flintstone gimmick's a little goofy, and and with when he does the worm kind, of, it's a little strange and stuff like that. But uh, I see him in CML all, all the time. This guy's really talented. Also, a little note about it is he used to miss 
the what was it, Monday t- shows or Tuesday shows that CMLL did every week because he would travel back to his hometown and attend college classes while he was main eventing for CMLL. So there you go. A little note about Barbaro that I know that not too many people do. So uh, we also saw Alex Coughlin uh, getting a win over fallen angel Christopher Daniels. Nine minutes, 26 seconds there. And uh, the DKC got a victory over Bateman in uh, eight minutes and 23 seconds. That probably felt a lot longer. Uh, yes, they were both good matches. The Coughlin match was every Coughlin match that you've seen. Daniels is looking <laughs> smaller and smaller as he's getting older. I don't know how much more ring time he's going to have left. And the DKC and Bateman was an opening match that nobody in the arena was there to watch. Well, yeah, there were a couple of... Remember when WWE was doing two-hour-long pregame shows and they would do the first match with nobody in the arena? Yeah. I, I always felt bad for those guys. And you got to put a show on for the people on TV. Yeah. But, man, it's... Yeah, it's difficult to do in front of empty seats. Uh, would not be upset if uh, Brad, uh, by the way, would not be upset if Tony moved from the Outcast to B Seagull. Yeah, I mean, you know, the the Outcast is eventually going to wear out. I mean, you know, they've been doing it for a few months. Something will uh, changes will happen there. And can we get a sixty minute exhibition between Virus and uh, ZSJ, please? Hmm. Only if John Moxley is okay with it. <laughs> there you have it. Uh, yeah, uh, Virus, another CMLL star there. Okay, so that was Resurgence. And we, you can see these matches on New Japan uh, World. NJPW World is part of the uh, strong show that they, they're going to cut this up into pieces. And I don't know. I, they, they might have to because they the pay per view window for this ends in July. So they are not going to make it available until they have cut it all up in, hmm. into pieces. Well, there you go. You got to pay for it that. if you want to watch it in whole. Keep an eye on it. Uh, but yeah, I, they, they, they'll probably uh, divide it up there and, and have it on there eventually. So uh, what else we got here? So I, I guess the uh, super best of super juniors. <laughs> so we have way too many shows. There have been wonderful shows uh, every day now, but way too many. So we're going to just kind of talk about how the tournament progressed and then go over some matches that we feel that if you haven't had a chance to, you should go out of your way to see. But you can look up online who won, who lost, but we're going to talk about how the storylines develop more than we're going to do a recap like we just did with Resurgence. There's 50, well, 45 matches so far with uh, the last day. Even if we spent one minute tops on all of them, we still might not finish in 90 minutes. So let's go for it. Okay, so in on the 17th, that was last Wednesday, at the Sendai Sun Plaza in front of 1,075 people, they had uh, a card there. I wanted to mention uh, that I uh, something that I thought was very good here. Uh, there was a Robbie Eagles-Yoshinobu Kanemaru match that I really enjoyed. And, of course, both of those guys work submissions. So you're talking Kanemaru with the figure four, Robbie Eagles with the... Uh, the Ron Miller special. I just thought this was fabulous. They both know a lot of ways to get in and out of those holes. It was a really good 10 minute cat and mouse between those two. And of course there were some, the main event that night was brilliant. Uh, Yo and El Desperado, a fantastic 20 minute match there. And then that same night, I'm sorry to make you click through all these graphics so quickly. The other one I wanted to mention uh, very quickly was a Lucha Libre dive fest with Mike Bailey and Teton on that show in Sendai. So much fun. Uh, between those two uh that was and, uh, worth he, going out of your way for yeah those are the three those are my three favorite from this one but to me jeremy this might be the best best of the super juniors tournament i have seen in many a year i i hesitate like five to, years i oh longer than that i think i for the me, best like the recency bias like i can't go back any further because you just kind of like that all kind of muddies together for me but I in mean, the last five years 
I am putting this above all the others. Yeah. Oh, I think, I mean, I'm trying to figure out one that I like better than this before you get back to the very first ones. Like Super Juniors 5 is kind of a legendary one because Benoit uh, was in it. Uh, El Samurai, and I know Benoit was a great worker. What can you say? Uh, Benoit, El Samurai, Eddie Guerrero, Black Tiger, uh, Jushin Thunder Liger, Great Sasuke, and all that stuff. We're talking like that level match in and match out. This tournament's been brilliant. I've had so much fun watching this. Yeah, I there there's almost a sense of like I can't keep up with what I thought was the best match because the quality and caliber has been so high across the level that when you come across a match that you didn't like, you can't say it was bad. You just didn't like it, <laughs> you know? And, and there were yeah. very few matches that I didn't like, but there, I don't think were any matches I can't say weren't good. So after Sendai, we had a couple of developments going. At that point, uh, Mike Bailey, Leo Rush, and Taiji Ishimori each had eight points with Hiromu Takahashi, who lost two of his first three, importantly, to Bailey and uh, to, uh, what was it, Ishimori, I believe, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, excuse me, not Ishimori. It was uh, Bailey and, and, and Leo Rush. He had lost two of his first three there. So uh, he had tiebreaker issues, but Hiromu, TJP, and Titan uh, were back at six. So that's where it looked in the A block. In the B block, uh, Robbie Eagles had gotten off to a hot start uh, with eight, and then you had a, a log jam at six that involved Master Wato, Yo, Desperado, and Clark Connors at six points. That was where we were there, which is interesting to see where Things turned out. From there, they went to uh, Iwate Prefecture for uh, a show on the 18th. And uh, let's see, we had some really good stuff in this one, too. Uh, show defeated Taiji Ishimori in, in a match between two Bullet Club members there that would have ended up mattering in the standings, perhaps. But uh, as it turns out, didn't. Uh, I, I made a note, though, at the time that I thought that one might have mattered. Teton defeated Leo Rush in a fabulous match there. Uh, Leo had a bit of a hiccup midweek where he lost two out of three. That ended up really costing him at the end. But this match against Teton was one of those losses, and it was excellent. Fantastic speed, tumbling, crisp kick sequences, very well, very tight, very well worked. I love Teton, the Teton and Leo match. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, there, there it was. And uh, Yo's streak began heating up. Yo had a bad start but a strong ending. It's not exactly the same as the 0-4 and, and then 5-0 and runs he had two years ago, but he started to heat up beating Francesco Akira uh, in only a minute 34 uh, in a, a flash pin there. But it was a little bit of a sign that yo was picking up steam, which is not something we had necessarily on our bingo card. And uh, master Watto beat Robbie Eagles in the main event. I love the finishing sequence of that one with those guys coming in and out of the Ron Miller working into the high angle German. So a couple of ones there highlights to look out for from Iwate. The uh the Hiromu and uh Kushida match was a fever dream. I did <laughs> not expect anything of what I saw of that, including I believe Kushida losing by countout uh at the very end of that match. They went out into a field and had a match. Part yes, of their match did. was out into a field, and the the audience did not follow. It was a complete WTF moment. I was <laughs> totally on board with it and i was highly highly amused and uh you uh, there have been plenty of kushida Hiroma matches in the past and when i thought that they would really get their hands on each other in this one this is not what i expected 
but it was still there, great. <laughs> there, were, there were a couple of matches this week that left the building, and one of them was uh, was uh, Roderick Strong, Chris Jericho, and the other one was this one. And then you can't get too different than that. There, Those two matches right there. It is there was the, one other that left the actual uh, match area and went into a lobby this morning. Oh no, you're right. Yeah, that that is true. That was, uh, but I was looking at that. There's ones that actually <laughs> left the entire building right there. They're very different from all count anywhere. <laughs> yeah, anywhere. Uh, yeah, and uh, everyone's banned from the building, which was clever to have Adam Cole outside, not in the building, right? Uh, let's see. Uh, Hiromu Takahashi also beat TJP in a fabulous match. Uh, yes. in that one. I, I, and Brad was right. I wanted to mention this, read this for the people that are listening on the podcast. We had one subpar day, day two. That probably would have been the worst one, but even that day was was. He said everything else has been absolutely brilliant, and even day two wasn't bad, just not the best. I mean, something has to be the worst show on the whole thing. Something has to get that dubious spot. But that show wasn't bad at all, and all the rest of them had just fabulous stuff. It, 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 you could see that they were pushing each other. The kinesiology tape was piling up by the end of this <laughs> one. It was a lot of matches, and I know they worked short matches in the undercard because they had to get 10 of them done a night. But even so, the effort put in, these guys were doing a lot in a short frame of time, and they were beat up and hurting, but you could tell that no one wanted to be the anchor dragging the thing down. Everyone pushed each other, and everyone showed up. I, I love this tournament. Kineology tape and trainer's tape. A lot of trainer's lot tape of started too. getting used. Yeah, especially by show, apparently. He likes to tie yeah. people up in the back before his matches. So uh, it's, the, it's, it's a bold move, Cotton. Let's see how it played out. <laughs> uh mostly poorly mostly poorly though yeah i didn't really uh, agree for him no uh cork and hall on the 21st good lord uh we got the 19th still we have the 19th still did i skip that one i, we got I 17th, skipped 18th, the 19th and a.o Mori. thank god oh, you're good. here oh, good. uh the story also, I wanted to mention that the, the crowd really wanted a Ryusuke Taguchi win over Doki here in, in uh, Aomori. They, they really got the crowd into it, uh, but uh, that was building throughout the time that the, you could sense the crowds really wanted to see Taguchi get rewarded for not screwing around. And they were they were supportive of him not doing the clowning, and uh, they almost got there. Uh, but uh, And I also thought Leo Rush defeated Kushida there in Aomori, and it occurs to me that they might have abandoned Kushida as a singles contender for now. Uh, he I was, believe they have. He was the guy that was going to challenge Ishimori before he got the hand, foot, and mouth disease, which is just crummy luck. And he could never really get that title shot that they had been building to. And now he's the junior tag team champion with Kevin Knight, and that team's terrific. So, I mean, it's not like they've – but it does look like they've never minded the whole idea of him being a contender for the singles championship because he obviously had a terrible record in this tournament, didn't need it, He's got other things to do in the junior heavyweight tag division. He's fine. But uh, it does look like uh, Kushida is not going to be challenging for that belt anytime. Now, my sneaky suspicion is that they wanted them to look a little bit uh, weak uh, going into singles so that when they get challenged a number of times by teams going forward for those junior heavy junior tag titles, they uh, they clear out all the challengers and look strong. But, you know, setting up the narrative down the line, and that's fine. So at the end of Aomori's show, Mike Bailey, Hiromu Takahashi, Taiji Ishimori, and Leo Rush all had 10 points. Titan stalking behind, always two back, just kind of sitting right there, but picking up very important key wins over people. He beat Leo Rush, for instance. That would end up being very, very significant. So he was a stalking horse right there, never too far back. And TJP had something to do with it, too, at eight. Uh, and the B block, four guys were at 10. Uh, Eagles won again. So he uh, joined Wato, Yo, and El Desperado at 10. Francesco Akira, the starting horse at eight. 
all these people are going to have a lot to do with the finish here. But we also noticed that Clark Connors began to drop off, began losing his matches down there. And, oh. uh, you know, but Again, my, this tournament. The, this my, tournament's more about him establishing his heel character than him winning. I was, I loved the gimmick while it happened. I wanted to root for Clark Connors. I did believe that he had a legitimate chance, but uh, they decided to go in a different direction, and that was to make him like a head breaker that doesn't care about winning or losing, which is a choice. But uh, you know, he has well, a reputation coming out of this tournament that he did not have going in. And that is a net positive for me. There's also the thought that I had that guys like Mike Bailey, guys like Leo Rush, and some of those contenders, like you have to make hay with them now because are you necessarily going to have them? And I think they feel like they have Clark Connors for a few years. I think they feel comfortable that Clark is going to be a New Japan guy. It's not his time yet. And that's totally okay. So you can do it. So you can establish his character now, then build him up. Maybe next year he makes the run. You know what I mean? Like they, they don't have to do it now. Whereas Bailey, you don't know if you're getting Bailey back. You don't know. You'd love to, of course, after his performance here, you'd love to keep Leo Rush. After these performances, there's going to be some companies in the United States that are probably going to pay these guys a lot of money to be on their shows. So, uh, you know, you make hay while you can. And then I think with Connors, they might feel fairly confident that they can do his push later. Not everybody, you know, and I, it can't be his time all the time. He, so, yeah. he is the one of those young lions in that, in that class that uh, has the most potential and is living it out right now. So good on him. If he's not shot to the moon, that's okay. Corican hall on the 21st. I was anxious to get to this one because it was the largest post pandemic crowd in that building. So big for, for, energy for, for, to this show for new Japan, the second biggest, Overall, Himika's retirement ceremony for stardom actually did just a touch more. Uh, they put uh, 1,436 in there, opened up the balconies, and he had people, uh, some of the more vocal members of the crowd. That's always where the the more vocal fans ended up, was up in those balconies and the rafters, the uh, the Statlers and the Waldorfs of the uh, New Japan oh. world. And uh, you heard one of them up there tormenting Dan, uh, Dan Maloney by doing the uh, Robbie, 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 oi, oi, oi chants. <laughs> Robbie had been begging for that in post-match comments all week. And he's hoping that someday the crowd would do it himself and he wouldn't have to lead it. And he got it to Corican Hall. Had to be a big moment for him, I'm sure. Uh, you had he to be was talking it. about it, I think, on the next show, too. He was pretty happy about it. M- Maloney was a fabulous heel, by the way, playing to it. He was he, excellent job on that one. And he's, he's the one that I really feel like has – if he came back to New Japan or not – I, I, I don't know if he's going to be back. I, I think he did well, maybe not as well as some of the other first timers, but I like the heel presence. He does have a nasty character, a nasty side to his character that I think has a place. There isn't, I guess Clark Connors doing something like that, but uh, Maloney just doing the mean guy that likes to hurt people, not because he's pissed at the world but he's just wired that way type of thing it's a different kind of anger than clark connor's has but it does it it does work but you know it, it's a crowded field i mean this is it's hard to stand out with you got workers like this <laughs> so maloney is a guy and i can't i can't underline this enough being invited to the best of the super juniors and being able to hang with those guys yeah. is amazing yeah with that said him being able to hang with them still underscored that he was a tier below most of those guys in a lot of ways. And he is going to need time to be molded and set in United Empire, given reps, 
feeling into the New Japan roster. That's not his fault. But he was just he was put in the deep end of the pool, said swim. And you know, he made it he made it to the edge of the pool, but it wasn't graceful. So he's got better days ahead for him. I definitely don't think he embarrassed himself, but of the 20 guys that were in the best of the super juniors, he was number 20. We have some split thoughts on the on him from uh, the folks here watching. Uh, Brad Ryder thought that Maloney and Akira on today's show clicked well as a crazy tag team. Uh, yeah, it wasn't bad for you know it was, they had of course because only one block was in action today. The A block, the B blockers were in uh, tags, and uh, of course they put Maloney and Akira together because uh, you know TJP was actually in there, but he didn't have a match to wrestle because he was supposed to face Taiji Ishimori. That was a forfeit. They put him in another tag. So uh, we did get to see Maloney and Akira as a tag, and they had a pretty good match with each other right there. Uh, Colin, not as much of a fan. He's not a fan of Maloney. He says he's boring. Uh, yeah, I think that's a little harsh. I, I, I think that with the right guy, like that whole thing with Robbie, and even with Akira, where it was that whole interfaction rivalry thing, I thought some things clicked for him. But I can't sit here and say that he's on a level with, the others in this, I, I just can't die. Yeah, there's just, you just he needs to be incorporated into the new Japan roster with allies much more than just, Hey, here's a new member of United Empire. He's in this tournament, cheer, boo him, whatever. Like, you're just like, Excuse me, what, huh? What's the frame of reference here? And that's and really Colin's also correct on one other thing. There is a, a woman in Tokyo, and I mean, there's 46 million people in Tokyo, so uh, the, you know, we don't, we'll never be able to find her again, perhaps, but. She was in love with Leo Rush. She was yelling his name constantly. And uh, he's right. Uh, the, the, there's uh, He has clicked with at least one member of the audience. There's a lot more than that. But uh, I think uh, Leo definitely has a big fan there. So what were your favorites? I've been talking about my favorites. What were your favorites of Cork? And then I'll give you mine. I think, uh, I think this Leo Rush and TJP match were mm. was tremendous. Uh, where this one. There oh, we go. Desperado. El Desperado, Desperado Francesco. And Akira. Akira. This to me was a dismantling of a top guy, a former IWGP champion. And this set up to me a underline of like, this dude is challenging Hiromo to make it. Like, I think with that kind of dominant teardown of another person, some people called it heelish. Some people called it ruthless. I saw it as a guy who was putting an exclamation point on a tournament and he saw the end game and he wasn't, he wasn't holding back getting to the end. So that was a very, very good one. And of course, that was the whole thing where uh, he tortured Akira with the numero dose and a cool version of the numero dose where he's actually holding his arms as well. Oh, uh, it just looked just looked rough to deal with. Uh, thankfully, Akira is a pretty he was flexible one of your guy. guys going into it. Despy was one of your uh, one of your picks to win it all. So tip yeah. of the cap there. They're really going with it. And yeah. I should have I should have seen it coming because I talk about how they like to play musical chairs with those titles and Desperado just lost those never open weight titles. Should have seen it coming. There's a, a thing with Desperado. I, you know, it really clicked for me when he had that match where he got his mask torn off in the finals of the Super Juniors with Hiromu. And I knew he was good, but that was when I thought, okay, this guy's actually great. And he's just blossomed ever since. He's been one of the best juniors in the world for a while. And I'm, and I'm glad, but 
you know, he's is a log jam. He was right up there with Hiromu Takahashi. So, uh, you know, Hiromu is the new Liger. So it's it's a tough spot for him. But I, I feel like he's uh, on a nice little run here. And, and this tournament, he's really stepped up. The match was terrific. Tortured him to the point that TJP even went to throw the towel in on behalf of his partner. Desperado caught the towel. And uh, <laughs> so, somehow that's not throwing in the towel. I don't know. It seems like you could have rung the bell right there. But what they wanted to do was have Akira snatch the towel out of Desperado's hand and throw it away to show with it. And I'm not giving up. By God, I'm not giving up. Uh, this one got raves from the viewers too. It was killer. Uh, Brad says the whole story of the match, Despy knowing he was better and just toying with him was great. And Colin said, yeah, it was really good. It, yeah, absolutely. It was. And another one worth mentioning from that one, uh, mm. ba Bailey and Taguchi had a really great 10 minute match. And, this is why I get frustrated with Ryusuke Taguchi when he clowns around because I know he's capable of stuff like this. He doesn't do the clowning because he can't wrestle. He does it because he doesn't want to anymore, I guess. But Taguchi using brains and experience to outfox Bailey while Bra Bailey used his speed and his strikes and everything. I loved it. And the crowd was very much into this one because they were in Corican Hall. We're coming down to the end of the tournament and it's one of those matches where Bailey needed those two points at the end, and sometimes mm -hmm. Ghetto will snatch them away from somebody in these late tournament losses. You know, somebody who's a front runner and has been near the top, and then they just lose that one toward the end. So there was a very real possibility of an upset happening here. It didn't happen. Uh, Bailey did end up winning the match and and extending Taguchi's uh, winless streak at the time into the which went into the final day. But this was fantastic, and because that little precipice is there you're always wondering if there's going to be the upset there was real tension to this it was fun yeah uh the whole this looks like the prelude to the finals and the entire back half of this show was just set up to rev the engine as it will before we just go out the gate it was a great setup and getting into getting into the 23rd man like those matches we only had four because Ishimori and TJP didn't happen, but yeah. uh yeah, because we have the the bracket here. Oh, real quick, and I'm sorry to interrupt with this. The 21st okay. was my sister's birthday, and she is a <laughs> listener of this show, so I wanted to wish her a happy birthday. Oh, Dina, cool. thank you for listening, and I love you. Thank you for listening. Yeah, happy birthday to you. Brad mentioned, by the way, Taguchi faking being hurt against the post, baiting Mike Bailey into kicking the post. Great, Great spot. Hope. really was. You don't see it done well that often. You know, usually like, well, the guy definitely saw that he isn't hurt and he's got to pretend like he didn't. I think Taguchi did it in a way where you could forgive Bailey for not realizing it. I think he did it uh, that quick. Again, this is why. Like, why doesn't he just wrestle like this more? I, I'm not even I, asking yeah. for it every time, but big match Taguchi. Let's have it. Like, like Live by the, the big... sword, die by the sword when you think about the Taguchi match today, too. Well, you know. Well, but, you know. All right. Where, where are, we we going, are we going to the 23rd or we all talk about the brackets first? Well, go ahead and talk about the brackets. Yeah. And then we'll get to the Taguchi rant. <laughs> Yeah. And, and, you know, the thing about that, it's well, all right. So the, we'll go ahead and talk about the A block here. Okay. So going into this night, we ended up having Leo Rush and Hiromu Takahashi and Mike Bailey all at 12, but Hiromu was suffering from tiebreakers because he has lost to Leo Rush and Mike Bailey, making them the leads in the bracket with Teton and Taiji Ishimori both in the contention, unfortunately, Taiji Mishimori out. That left Titan as the only threat going into the final night of bracket play. 
and then Desperado, Yo, Master Watto, all with 12. We got Robbie Eagles with 10. Their show, their matches are all tomorrow. I do not have the rundown on it right now. We're going to get to that after yeah. the 23rd, but man, let's get to this night one match and your Taguchi rant. What I'm saying about Taguchi is we know that he's capable of this kind of thing. Now, he, in the very last match there, he faced uh, Kushida. And they did their they did a really good match between the two of them. Again, Kushida's whole story has been that he's working this kind of an MMA thing where he's grounding uh, these guys and trying to get submissions. And, and he, well, the problem is he kept getting rolled up in flash pins. This was another one where he ended up... Uh, he ended up getting beat. Taguchi actually got the win in the end, and the crowd was thrilled that he got the win. They didn't give us everything we wanted, which was 100% straight Taguchi, uh, no clowning thing, because Kushida ended up grabbing the trunks, and we ended up looking at Taguchi's rear end through a lot of it. Uh, the, 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 the crime anyway, of getting butt stuff in, in trade for yeah, Kushida getting his first pin of the of the best of the Super Juniors is the live by the sword, die by the sword of New Japan. I suppose it is, but you know, it is also fair to say, by the way, that Taguchi didn't do it. It was Kushida pulling sure. his trunks down. It wasn't uh, Taguchi trying to clown. It was like it just kind of ended up there. But uh, yeah, I replayed it twice to make sure it wasn't Taguchi doing it to himself. No, I was it was like, not. all right, fine. Yeah, I know. You can't get everything you want right there. So, but, uh, uh, yeah. yeah, Taguchi had had to have an exposed butt to finally get a win. Uh, it just. <laughs> It feels like his story was he was going to be serious to get his wins uh, at the press conference at the beginning. It couldn't end any other way. So the situation going into this, there were a couple of matches that did not factor, or one match, pardon me, that didn't factor into the standings, which was Show and Doki. And Show ended up beating Doki after tying him up in the back in a bunch of House of Torture crap we don't have to get into. We went to the final two matches. TJP, of course, won by forfeit over Ishimori, which is another one where both guys had were eliminated going into the uh to the final night anyway score wise so uh eh, probably would have been a really good match too uh but uh after that we had mike bailey against leo rush the positioning of this match as the semi-final was interesting because they had 12 points each whereas titan with 10 was in the main event against hiromu of course it was going to play out exactly the way it needed to Bailey and Rush, if either one of them won the match, whoever won the match, right, was going to be the, the block winner because no winning one else you're was... in. <laughs> yeah, winning you're in because uh Hiromu could get to 14 points, but uh he could not uh we couldn't win any tiebreakers. So, you know, you're stuck on this one. So uh he had lost to both Bailey and Rush. Now, in this one, I kind of thought that they might go with Bailey as the match went on. If you had asked me at the beginning of the tournament, would they go with Bailey or Rush in this situation? I would have said Leo because he's staying. You know, Leo's a regular New Japan guy. As this tournament went on, I felt more and more confident that Bailey was at least going to make the semifinals. And he did end up beating Leo. But what surprised me about this one was that Leo was the one that ended up with tiebreaker issues here because of the main event. So anyway, Bailey's the, Bailey wins the block wins the block in the semifinal, which is a little bit odd booking-wise, but it meant that Teton and Hiromu Takahashi wrestled each other where both guys had to win in order to move on. So Teton goes in there, and they have a terrific match with Hiromu and Teton. Of course they do. You know, they're faction mates and all, but uh, both of them excellent wrestlers. And Teton ends up getting the win here uh, over Hiromu Takahashi, which did surprise the living hell out of me. What that oh. meant... 
what that meant was the Teton ended up with the tiebreaker over Leo and ends up moving on. So Mike Bailey and Teton, an impact guy and a CMLL guy, are the two representatives out of the A block. Hiromu Takahashi and Leo Rush do not move out of that block. That surprised me. So, listeners, if you're trying to visualize this, imagine a one, two, three, four seed. Mike Bailey is the one seed, and he's facing the number two seed in Leo Rush. Hiromo is the third seed, and Teton is the fourth seed. And they are facing each other. Because Leo Rush lost, and because Hiromu lost, the fourth seed of the bracket immediately jumped to number two because he had tiebreaker wins over both of those uh, mm. opponents previously thus eliminating the two people who had the same amount of points with him at this bracket it was incredibly complex booking and it worked fantastically and it was very very clever because only in retrospect realizing that he that ghetto always kept teton two points behind the leaders all the focus was on the guys at the top for great reasons because they were all great matches and they were all such exciting guys. But Teton was always just like two points behind him. He never fell far behind. So then at the last night, he gets to just come up and he got all the right wins along the way. And then he picks up this win over Hiromu and just jumps into it when two shows earlier, I wasn't thinking about Teton much as far as being a finalist. Yeah, very clever. And if you want to see some algebra, let's get into the B block okay? because let's take a look at the B block standings over here. Uh, there, there's the, a, you know, the, a, the finals of the A block. We know what's going on there. B block. So we have three guys with 12 points, Desperado, Yo, Watto, Robbie Eagles is a stalking horse here at eight. The crucial point point is that Eagles is going to be wrestling Desperado the final night. So that's the big match. Yo is going to be wrestling Yoshinobu Kanemaru. If there was ever an upset special, that was it, right? Master Watto facing Kevin Knight, another interesting one. Do you want to hear the scenarios uh, for this one here, uh, Jeremy? I think we should. Whew. All right, get ready. Get your pencils ready. Uh, thankfully, I got um, a guy who writes under the name J. Michael uh, for Voices of Wrestling kind of spelled all this out in the most clean way I've seen uh, so far, which uh, that's a clever pen name, by the way. J. Michael Kenyon, uh, who has passed away in the last few years, one of the great wrestling historians of all time. So I think that might be a bit of a nod to him. Anyway, uh, we're going to get into this here. If, uh, huh, all right. If Yo wins and Master Watto loses, Yo wins the block with 14 points. After that, it gets even more complicated. So if, and, I barely want to get into all this. So if Yo wins, he wins the block with 14 points, but that puts Master Watto back, uh, is stuck at 12. Then if El Desperado and Robbie Eagles draw, Desperado advances, Watto's eliminated, Robbie's eliminated. If Desperado beats Eagles, Desperado advances, Watto's eliminated. But none of that matters so much, as he writes, because if Robbie Eagles defeats El Desperado, we have an unbreakable three-way tie at 12 because they would all have the exact same tiebreakers over one another, like a little round robin of tiebreakers. So I feel like that could give away right there that they are. Th- not that's not happening, right? Yeah. That's a little bit too much. All right, let's move on from that one. So let's go the other way with this, which feels a little bit more likely. Uh, and J. Michael wrote the same thing. A win by Master Watto over Kevin Knight. You know, Kevin Knight's definitely an upset special, but it feels like Watto could win that one. But Yo losing to the wily veteran Yoshinobu Kanemaru, who went through a losing streak in the middle of the tournament and faded away from importance. 
after having a hot start. He won his first two, then lost a string, and we kind of forgot about him. Except maybe he has a huge impact on the final night, right? You know, mm-hmm. it's a very good possibility. So if Master Watto wins and Yo loses, then you've got Watto is in, right? El Desperado then defeats Robbie Eagles. Desperado would win the block with 14. Watto ends up in, uh, oh no, yeah, Watto would actually end up in second place, uh, tied with 14, but losing the tiebreaker. So he would be the second place guy. Yo would then be eliminated with 12 and Eagles eliminated. But if Robbie defeats El Desperado, Watto wins the block outright. Eagles advances to 12 points with wins over both Yo and Desperado. The fact that Eagles has tiebreakers over Yo and Desperado makes this kind of an interesting scenario here because it seems like those things happen for a reason, doesn't it? it it's just one of those things. So, and if both Yo and Watto win, uh, Yo wins the block, he'd have 14 and hold all the tiebreakers. Eagles is out. And then there'd be a whole big mess right there. So it feels like either Yo or Watto will trip over the final hurdle. Uh, and and but not both. Doesn't seem like both. So one of those guys will move on, and then we'll see what happens with uh, with Desperado and and Eagles. So Eagles might be able to sneak his way in uh, by getting a win over Despy and uh, and slipping his way in there and uh, joining either the so, winner of you or and so that that's kind of how it's going right. But there, what what if you're what do you, who do you think are the two that are going forward? I think we're going to see Desperado and Wata. See, I think we might see Desperado and Yo. I think Yo might have okay. So the argument for Yo is that he is wrestling looser and he has had a longer tenure on the roster. Mm-hmm. And with Leo Rush advance not advancing, you could do Yo and you know create some tension with that. Master Watto, on the other hand, had a campaign in 2022 going into Wrestle Kingdom where he incredibly outkicked his coverage, and then he's kind of been backburnered ever since. So, which one do you go with? Are they they're both in the same? Are, are they both in the chaos, or is is Watto in Hantai? Uh, Watto's Hantai. Okay, so and there's not really title implications other than Yo uh, Chaos has the never open weight titles right now, but they can lose them at Dominion. Ooh, I'm, I'm gonna go with Desperado and. Yo. Okay. I'm going to go with Desperado. I'm, I'm sticking with Desperado and uh, and uh, Watto, I think. And with Watto in second place because of the right. tiebreaker thing. And then that would put us with, uh, let's figure that out. That would make Master Watto in with Bailey, and it would put Desperado in with Teton. Desperado and Teton sounds great. Or it could be it could be Bailey and Yo or Bailey and Master Watto. If you were telling me which one I would rather see, I kind of want to see Bailey and Yo. Okay. That's because enough. of the Bailey and Leo match was so tremendous. Yeah. So if I, if my scenario plays out, I would see Desperado and Mike Bailey with Desperado getting his first Super Juniors. That's just not, just my Mike Bailey? You got Mike Bailey winning the whole thing? No, with Desperado winning. Oh, I'm winning. sorry. Okay. Okay. Des- yeah, I think Desperado yeah. is the guy. I, I would not be shocked if there was some type of contract implication with impact that if they got speedball Mike Bailey that in the contract for best of Super Juniors, if he had to advance out of the bracket. 
You never know what kind of deals they make. They might yeah. just said, well, I mean, Deca, like everybody benefited from this, but you yeah. know, contract to contract, and I could see certain stipulations being uh, thrown in there to make sure, you know, everybody's on the level. But it does show you just how intricate Ghetto's booking is that he keeps mm-hmm. all these people and all these scenarios alive. And he said it, it, Brad mentions it here. He's a genius to be able to do these round robin turns multiple times a year. Yeah, he does it with tag leagues, he does it with G1. Uh, it, it's really a game of chess that he plays uh, that's very impressive. And uh, Watto believe... being in this until the final night is really wild. It is, but I, I do think he's stepping up. I, again, is he yeah. on the same level as Desperado and Hiromu? No, but who on earth is? I think those two kind of occupy their own plane with Leo Rush knocking on the door. And boy, I've been very impressed with Bailey too. Uh, Watto is better than almost every other junior out there. It's just that he's standing next to Hiromu Takahashi and El Desperado all year. It's tough. I think uh, I think the other thing we need to keep in mind is that both New Japan and Impact are probably keeping Speedball Mike Bailey incredibly protected so that he can face Will Ospreay at Multiverse United 2 in August. Okay, let's do that. I'm yeah. down. Yeah, let's, okay, get that, let's get that. Let's get that go back that we didn't get in April. Sure, but man. all of it makes sense. You know, it's like Speedball is a special talent and he has hit something special in his presentation in the New Japan Best of the Super Juniors tournament. I have seen him in Impact. I have seen him in GCW. This is not Speedball at Impact. And this is not Speedball in GCW. He is hit a part of the formula on this show with these talents that I have not seen. And he has elevated his game immensely for it. And if he were to win the whole thing, if Paul Fontaine famously predicted, I would not, I would not be upset. I would not be, I would be a little shocked, but I'd be less shocked now after seeing the campaign that he had this entire best of Super Juniors than I was before he had a match with Hiromu. I think here's the reason I'm picking Desperado, by the way. I mentioned that they have worked very hard over the last few years to make Hiromu Takahashi into the next Jushin Liger. And make this generation's Jushin Liger, that dominant force that is always a part of the title picture, always a part of the Super Junior picture. Liger needed a Black Tiger. He needed an El Samurai. And I think it's... El Desperado. I think that, that that this is the guy they're going to put up with as the guy that is the 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 yin to the yang, so to speak. You, Muhammad Ali had to have Joe Frazier. And I think they're just like, we have to have a guy. And every time Desperado and Hiromu have faced each other in a big situation, whether it's a title match, a Super Junior Final, it's been magic. They work well together beautifully. Mm-hmm. And I think that this is part of you've got to make the guy and put them up there not quite as equals i think hiromu is always going to be on that liger level but someone's got to be down there as the eddie guerrero black tiger or Mm -hmm. the uh the like i mentioned el samurai i mentioned uh, great sasuke for a while was a terrific rival the liger Uh, i think they need that guy and because right now hiromu is by a good distance the biggest star in the junior division with that said, you need somebody else. You need you need another guy that's almost there. He doesn't have to reach that level. But I think that's why they're going with Despy this year. That's my theory. We'll see in the next week. If so by this out. time next week, we're going to have a contender for Dominion. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. By this time next week, because uh, we'll look at the schedule tomorrow morning at the Etienne Arena in Osaka. Of course, the main matches, the primary ones that count toward the standings. El Desperado against Robbie Eagles. Master Watto against Kevin Knight. And 
Yo versus Yoshinobu Kanemaru. I'm going to hit refresh on NJPW1972.com right now. And as I speak, on their website, the New Japan website, they have not announced an order for these matches yet. So usually that's a clue as to what they're doing, as to what ends up in the main event. They have not announced the exact order. of And that is tomorrow morning or two days from now? Yeah, no, that's tomorrow. That's Wednesday, May 24th. And then we have uh, a Friday show, and then we have the Sunday show. I will be watching the Sunday show after the (laughs) sweet party for F4W before I go to Double or Nothing. It's going to be an insane day. What a crummy Uh, week you're going to have. Good. I will be coming back with with multimedia presentation, taking on my phone. It'll be a great time. Maybe we're, we're, we're going to send you to it. We're going to send you to a place where weed is on every street corner and turn you loose with those graphics programs. Weed is already available on every street corner. Oh, that's there. right. You're in San. I forget <laughs> where you are. I forget. I'm. I'm in. I'm in Austin. That's pretty much. Yeah. Everywhere. No. No. The, the legislation is way different here. <laughs> well, I mean, in Austin, it doesn't matter. Something. Oh, <laughs> uh, I am. I'm very excited for the week. I will come back with live results. And if you see me in Vegas, I will be around the F4W Sweet Party. I will be at Double or Nothing. Uh, if you recognize me, please come up and say hi. I I will be weird because I'll be like, oh, people are saying hi to me. But I will I'll be flattered and I will, yeah, feel free to say hi. Please. And one one last prediction from the audience. I think we're getting Despy versus Speedball in the final with Despy taking it. This is uh yeah, Brad thinks Speedball and Leo have a title shot in their back pockets thanks to beating Hiromu in the tournament. Well, if that's true and they go with Desperado and they have Speedball and Leo Rush, what kind of title matches are we about to see? This is going to be wonderful, right? <laughs> I can't be, wait. What a mix. It's going to be time passing during the G1. <laughs> man, oh man, this is going to be so great. So I, I, if I, if it's because I sound a little giddy, it's because, well, one, I'm, uh, I have a new puppy in the house, so I haven't slept since Saturday. But more than that, so I'm slap happy. But like I said, maybe the best Super Junior tournament I've seen since the 1990s. Uh, there's such a bright future for New Japan right now. Crowds are going up. I mentioned the biggest post-pandemic crowd at Corican Hall. Future just looks really bright. We've got a terrific Dominion card that we're going to go into next week as well because we're getting right up to that. Then there's this combined show with Noah and All Japan coming. Then it's Forbidden Door. Then it's is New Japan going to be part of the Wembley show? You got the Independence Day, New Japan Strong. And yeah. Court- like, we didn't even get so a chance to talk about on. that. Yeah, we'll, we'll so talk much about going on. There are Lots to look forward to. Lots to look forward to. Jeremy, as we sign off here, we're almost out of time. With all that to look forward to, where can people find you? You can find me at Jer Feinstone on Twitter. You can find us at the Discord. Email GG at Fight Game Media if you'd like to join that. Steven, go for it. And I'm at uh, at Stephen Conway 88 on uh, Twitter, and you can find me here again uh, next week with Jeremy. We're gonna be keep we're gonna keep doing the show, and uh, Colin hopes they keep it to this format from here on. Best of Super Juniors. He likes the wild card. It certainly has uh, shaken things up and uh, given us a lot of possibilities for the final night, which is the most fun you can have with one of these tournaments. And imagine what he might do with the G1. You never know. Uh, so with that in mind. For Jeremy Feinstone, I'm Stephen Conway. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening to Speaking of Strong Style. We'll be back next week to go over all this and more. We'll see you then.